Yo, what's happening, people? This is the Solar Kid. This is my podcast, The Other Side of the Sun. And today we have the lovely Empress One Emmanuel, Princess Emmanuel. How many AKAs do you have? You've got quite a few, don't greetings, you? Greetings, 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 Solar Kid, greetings. Yeah, quite a few still, quite a few. So what is few. it, like uh, Princess the Iman, Princess Iman, Princess Emmanuel, um, One? Yeah, so like when I first started, like, you know, my spoken word and whatnot, it was, um, it was just Emmanuel, which is, you know, my birth name. Um, but what happened was, this is like, I don't know, like 99, year 99 or 2000. Yeah, Emmanuel's a lovely name. Was, um, was there was like this, this boy as well on the circuit. He was a singer, but his name was Emmanuel as well. So he used to appear on some of the flyers that you know of like events that I used to do so um so we just changed it up to Princess Emmanuel but I mean Princess was one of my like you know family names anyway like my pops used to call me that my auntie but um but then gradually it just developed into Empress One and then the online link is Empress One Egypt because obviously you know like in the sort of conscious music circle like so many females are called empresses right just out of respect like the rasta community or whatnot so that's why it was like empress one and egypt and but yeah it is what it is i mean princess emmanuel is more my poetry name if that makes sense okay and like my youth work name like the you know the work the name that i use with like the young people and whatnot and then empress one's more like i don't know more like hip-hop reggae vibe so empress one is a rapper a poet uh you were a dancer choreographer as well Actress, social activist as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you do a lot of work. And I, would, I would say poetess rather than poet, but yeah. I don't want to get into that one. Why would you say poet? I want to get into the gender gender discussion. Why would you say that? Because poet is it's it, there's no gender assigned to it. It's the same like manager. You know, what I mean, you don't say manager, do you? Well, it's like actor, isn't it? But yeah, even actor, it, it's think... non um, it's non binary. You don't need to really say actor. Yeah. I think when we were younger, um, on the word sound power scene, we kind of enjoyed creating and, you know, creating our own words and sort of editing, you know, formal words from the English language. Um, And I guess being so in touch with my feminine side, I just thought, you know, just add a bit of S, how a test sounds quite nice, (laughs) gives it a bit of... um, personal identification no i get that i get that um (laughs) and originally from egypt obviously uh so when did you come to london like how long have you you always so i'm half i'm half from upper egypt so upper kemet so upper being lower in the in the map so from the (laughs) south my um my family are from half of me is from upper kemet and my other half is lebanese Okay. Which many people don't know about, but yes, only my close people know that. More time, it's like, oh, Empress, she's Egyptian. Da, da, da. It's the side I connect with more so. Okay, that's an interesting mix anyway. I mean, like both very ancient cultures. Mm-hmm. And I see you refer to it as Kemet. So obviously you do like subscribe to a lot of ancient um, Egyptian philosophy and history. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware that the word Egypt comes from a Greek word called Egyptus. Mm. Um, and obviously, the Greeks were not the original Egyptians or were not, yeah. you know, they studied they rule, in Egypt. They did but, rule you know, for a time as well. Say that again. So they did rule there for a time as well. 
Yeah, so basically, like, when the Western world is rewriting their version of his story or our story, like, we should be aware of that. Um, And even, like, the Egyptians, say, people that work in the tourism uh, field and whatnot, you know, the the sort of um, the education that they're given and the books that they're given to sort of learn and then, you know, become tour guides or whatever the case is, is also, you know, written or edited by Americans or by the West. So, you know, they end up using these terms as well when really, you know, in, in, in the Egyptian Arabic language, the word for Egypt is Masr. And then obviously in the ancient Nubian and Metuneter languages um, of the Farana, the pharaohs, is, is Kemet is used and Temere is used. Uh, but then there's so many discrepancies about that because, you know, everyone's line of um, knowledge and research isn't always going to be identical. So people have their different theories and you just go by what rings true to you. And, you know, for but- me, the Pan-Africanism of Egypt rings mostly true to me. Yeah, because, I mean, essentially, there'd be many people who would argue that the original Egyptians don't even look like you, like, in terms of, you know, the... Oh, thanks a lot, love. (laughs) I mean, I know you're from there, but what I'm talking about is in terms of Nubia, I'm talking about dark skin, you know, which was kind of written out of the history books in that sense, which a lot of, like, you hear with American scholars, you know, they refer to, you know, the Egyptian dynasties and, you know, that kind of thing, drawing on the history of Africa and, and Kemet. Yeah, I probably look like a version of, of Cleopatra because she was mixed with, like, um, Nubian and, like, you know, some form of look, European. I, I would say that the Egyptians were... Yeah, I'd say that they were um, sort of, like, uh, what can you say, light brown caramel skin to the darker tones as well. Mm. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I would of, agree. I would agree, yeah. I yeah, whereas a lot of Westerners or like Europeans would not want to believe that particularly because a lot of them, well, especially scholars, didn't want to believe that, you know, they were learning from these great African kingdoms, you know. Indeed, indeed, yeah. Totally. I would totally agree that the original Egyptians were of darker complexion. Mm. They were definitely more melanated. Um there's been so many mixtures in our in our DNA in our um, culture in Egypt. Uh, like like you're probably aware, we we've got African original people, and within African people, there's so many different tribes. So even you know, I'll go into that in a minute. And then there's like people that have mixed with Greek, with French, with Turk, with um, you know all the different people that stepped into Egypt. With uh, I said French, with English, um, you know, uh, Assyrian. Um, so well, yeah, I mean, situated is pretty, you know, I mean, it's between Europe and Africa. So between, um, what is the, the Mediterranean? Yeah. Yeah. Like between the, in the, in the Mediterranean above it, like between those countries, there's probably been mixing for like thousands, mm-hmm. thousands. many, many centuries. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom's original people are the Saida people. So they're well known. Uh, as, uh, you know, the roots of Egypt. So it's the roots of Egypt is the Sa'ida and the Nubians. And the Sa'ida are basically a lighter version of the Nubians. So like our people from my mom's side are the Sa'ida. So they're like the brown skin people, probably similar to some of your people in South Africa, yeah? Even though in Egypt, it's not known like, oh, when you're Sa'idi, that means you're mixed or whatever. They're just known as Sa'ida. But if you're going to look at it from an outside perspective, the Sa'ida people are certainly not Arabs yeah, or white Arabs or brown Arabs or whatever. They are 
upper Egyptian, like, and they're more ancient and more um, indigenous people of Egypt. But the Sa'ida and the Nubians have mixed up with all the others in the northern, uh, you know, um, southern Egypt. Or something, yeah. But you can see it in places like in, in like, Morocco with the Berber people who are also kind of a mixture, but more of an ancient established culture, you know, not not particularly Arab, but mixed with and obviously African heritage. And you know what I mean? In that sense as well. Yeah, definitely. And the Gnawa people, the Gnawa people. Yeah, the Gnawa people, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, in North Africa, yeah, we've got definitely loads of mixtures. I wouldn't say, I mean, some people view it as, oh, like, Northern Africa is like white Africa. It's not even really white Africa because you got white, you got yellow, you got brown, you got caramel. So it's not really nice to generalize. Like even within my own family from my mom's side, like we've got families. We got this family that look more African, this family that look more African Asian, this family that definitely look more Greek. They might be Greek in origin, they might be French in origin. I have no idea, but they definitely look more along that. side of the planet yeah so it's just mixtures and mixtures are a beautiful thing uh really it's you know um, yeah it's it's ignorance that creates those those perceptions you know of people and um culture and color skin color you know because it's such a such a silly thing you know to define people by well i suppose it was something that was created you know, by by the oppressors of the past, you know, to, to, for people to look at... To divide and conquer, definitely. Yeah, literally divide and you know, conquer. To make us focus on our differences rather than our similarities, including, you know, our wealth, our status, our class, our, our colour, um, things like that, our different tribes and languages and religions. It's definitely uh, a means of divide and conquer. So how old were you when you left... Um, Uh, My story is a bit long, but it's not. So basically, like, I was born here, so I am British, but I didn't live here when I was little. Okay. So I was born here, and uh, my family at the time were living in, my immediate family, my parents were living in Dubai. So I went back to Dubai, and then I was there for the first few years. And then I moved to Egypt um, for a few years. And then um, we came over to England and then I I grew up in England predominantly and my education was here, but I would be in Egypt all the time. So all the holidays, I'm like flying out back home. So yeah, so I came to live here, even though I was born here, I came to live here when I was, um, I think about like between five and six. Okay. Okay, so yeah. definitely London, where West West London, obviously, yeah. West London, yeah. I think originally we were in Earl's Court, I think. But anyway, most of my life since, you know, all my life, probably from the age of like seven or something, Lancaster Road, Labrador. West London, baby! Frontline, you know, West London, yeah. Just, you know, just on Frontline, between All Saints Road and Lancaster Road. So it's yeah. a beautiful area. It's such an oh, eclectic. Yeah. Uh, cultural melting point it's you know it is i've loved living in grove i've actually loved it yeah it was a big part of my um up london upbringing as well west london you know 
and Northwest as well. Kilburn, Neesden, Grove, Notting Hill. Friends Those are, are my ends, man. They, oh, that's where most of the people I know are, are from, you know. So yeah. I, I, my, friend, my friends are from Kilburn. So, well, when I was younger, yeah. So that was one of the places we used to hang as well. Um, but from a young age, even though I was living in Grove, like I stepped out of the area to train like in the performing arts and dance drama and all these kind of things. I stepped out. I used okay. to travel all the way. Well, first of all, I was near Hammersmith. At, um, a performing arts school there, but then afterwards, I used to travel all the way to 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 South to the Brit School. Okay. That was nearly two hours because I get the fifty two bus to Victoria, then the overground. <laughs> it was that a trek. It was yeah, a trek, but definitely well worth it. Definitely. So, um, your background is it? Uh, are your parents Muslim or? Um... Yeah. My um my fam my immediate family are Coptic Orthodox. Well, they're not all Coptic Orthodox. Um, my immediate family are Coptic Orthodox and Maronite, and my extended fam- family do have um Muslim um you know people. So tell us about that. What's that? You said Coptic Orthodox. What's that? Is that Christian? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so the Egyptian um from my Egyptian side, Coptic Orthodox. So um Orthodox is one of the ancient if not the most ancient Christianity in the world. And it it uh, stems from Africa, so from Ethiopia and Egypt. Oh, okay. um, yeah. We weren't okay. really involved in the whole slave trade thing that, you know, Catholicism was quite um, engaged in okay. and was running, yeah. Um, and we use ancient languages, so the Coptic language, which is a mixture of the ancient hieroglyphics, and uh, Latin, and it's just and and Arabic as well. It's all f- actually no Arabic comes after Coptic. So so yeah, it it kind of fused. Um, yeah. And then what else? And then the Ethiopian uh, Orthodox people they use um, Amharic and Giz yes, as well. Okay. So sometimes you see me like I say certain words in Amharic. Um, and then the Maronite, the Maronite is the Leb- it's a Lebanese form of Christianity. Um, and then, but funny enough, all my aunties are Muslim, and my um, my godmother is Muslim. It, yeah, it's just it's for us really like when it's like family and like friends of family. Like we don't see religion. Okay, I think um, I think the issue with religion comes about within society and you know people in power, like political figures and whatever they create you know, they create the um, the warfare around the world and the, the indifference. But within, like, your, your your close community, your close circle, it's all love. Like, you know, we, you know, we fast with each other. We celebrate each other's, um, you know, Eids and Christmases. I mean, that's how it is with me and my aunties and cousins and stuff. It's not like no one's trying to, like, you know, manipulate you into their religion or convince you otherwise because we respect each other's religions and and we know that we all like are are worshiping the most high in our own way. So but yeah nowadays in the West it's kind of weird. People are all like trying to get you to become this and become that. It's like yo just respect what we are. Let's tolerate each other, respect each other. That's it. Yeah, you no, know? I mean, I, I asked because like, obviously in North Africa and in, in Saudi Arabia and that like, obviously um, Islam is, is the most prevalent and dominant religion. And also in the Middle East a, and in North yeah. Africa. Yeah. Yep. 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 Because a, the Arabs conquered um, Africa. Well, North, uh, predominantly North, North Africa. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And being a woman, especially, and or being like a young lady or like, I mean, a woman, 
especially in the arts or in, in something as outspoken as hip hop or spoken word, it must be, or it must have been uh, quite interesting. Can you, do you know? Do you it wasn't any- just interesting. It was, it was so difficult. It was so yeah, difficult. I can imagine. Because <laughs> I mean, even in Egypt, like women are treated like, or oh, I'm not sure now, but I yeah. know like, it's in most of Saudi Arabia, women are treated as second-class citizens. Oh no, Saudi is something completely different. Let's not even go there. Like, that's just—I mean, Egypt is more open-minded than yeah. many other Arabian countries. So yeah, let's not even go there with with you know the Middle East and the Emiratis and all of that. But yeah. um, I mean the Khalijis, but um, I, I can't talk about that because I don't have that experience. But um, but yeah, being yeah, so basically. Um, when I was going back home and whether I was already training in dance, like professional dance, like ballet, contemporary dance, hip hop, whatever, musical theater, or even when I was a bit older, like 18 or so, and I was getting into the spoken word and gradually the rap and the hip hop. um, Yeah, definitely. In Egypt, it wasn't something that was respected in a woman. Like men, they can do whatever they want with regards to the performing arts. But as a female, whether it's uh, the reaction I would get from my family from Upper Egypt, which would be like, hell no, because, you know, they're just, they're from Upper Egypt, they're from the village, isn't it? So it's different, mentality yeah. is completely different. Um, or whether it's just from general society. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, there's so much to talk about, so I don't know specifically, but, you know, when I was doing, when I was in the rap scene or the poetry, there wasn't really a poetry scene. Um, there is for classical Arabi, but obviously I'm not a classically... Arabi poetessa by like it's more street poetry, word sound and power. So I was more put under the category of hip hop when I was in Egypt and performing. Um, so yeah, it was all men. It was all men on stage anyway. I knew a few girls that would write a little bit in their bedrooms or we'd, you know, we'd be in touch online and stuff. And we said, okay, we'll support each other. We'll collab. But on stage as a female at the time from early 2000s, there was no other females doing the rap poetry on stage at the time. Um, whether it's whether the female is Muslim or Christian isn't so much a big thing right now. I think it was more the issue that I was just a female uh, speaking my own mind um, and not just my own mind, just about, you know, social justice, you know, identity, maybe touching upon religion, spirituality and being in the midst of men on stage or at any venue in the midst of men, basically, or young guys or whatever, young, young brers. So it wasn't embraced that much. Um, a few of the young young brothers were cool and were encouraging and stuff, but some would actually hate on it as well. Be like, oh no, like she's going to steal our limelight or whatever, you know, because it's something new. And, you know, being a female, you've got your feminine ways and whatnot, you know. Um, but yeah, but being Coptic also, yes, that would add an extra dimension as well. Because like you say, it's like a male-dominated Islamic society um, sometimes it was positive and embraced and sometimes it wasn't. It all depends on the people you're performing for or being interviewed by or, yeah. you know, approaching. Uh, it depends on them and their mentality and where they're at and how they would respond to you. So did you find it easier then, obviously, to transition? And, like, did you... I mean, what I'm trying to say is, like, was there a big reason why you didn't continue in Egypt or did you do more like in London? Like, did you prefer obviously coming? I mean, there's obviously... The reason, I mean, I actually, I actually went and lived in Egypt. So yeah, I mean, after uni, I actually went to live there. So I was still performing throughout the time I was living in England, but 
I said to myself, once I finish uni, I'm going to go live. And I actually would say to my mum, I would go and live in the village. Just because I've always admired just the simple people, like the way they live and like the indigenous people. And obviously there's so much uh, beauty around the world and there's so many different cultures and indigenous people that I could go and chill with or like, you know, live with and stuff. But I thought, no, let me go to my people, you know, but that wasn't realistic for me. So I did go to Egypt. I did live there, but I didn't. I would visit Upper Egypt a lot and see my family in, in Negi Hamadi. And my mom's family is from Suhej and Asyut originally in Upper Egypt, which is the south. Yeah, yeah. It's an area called Enna, which is just like, so you'd have Nubia here and it would just be above that, at the bottom of like, you know, Egypt sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I just didn't live there because it wasn't realistic. I was going to auditions because I wanted to be in the film industry. Um, I was still performing my rap poetry, my word sound power, but that wasn't really making any, you know, and you need to survive, right? Like, I'm not like a rich kid coming to Africa and like helping the poor and just self-maintaining myself with, <laughs> with, with my funds. It's not really like that. You know, I was raised as a sing- in a single parent family, so... It's always been a challenge um, to sort of rise above and excel and succeed. So, so, um, so what was my point again? Yeah, so I was like trying to enter the film industry as well, um, going to auditions and stuff. Um, I've lost the plot. What was your question again? <laughs> oh, you, you're basically telling me like the struggles of trying to make it in Egypt. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, after what, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I was going to auditions and stuff, yeah. I mean, at least in the West, yeah, you can work your ways into certain roles and whatever, but people usually give you credit based on your experience, your certification, your, you know, your studies that you've actually graduated from a theatre course or from a dance course or from, you know, dance school. But in Egypt, it was more like, like, yeah, like I didn't want to sell my soul or sell my body to get nowhere. So, yeah. Um, and with the music, um, so why I didn't continue is, yeah, so the, you can't really self-sustain yourself out there um, unless you're doing like, you know, commercial Arabi music. And I'm not like a singer like that. So when I was having meetings with some of the labels, they were like, it's too risky for them. No one's really buying hip hop or, you know, let alone spoken word. Forget that unless it's like classically Arabi. And even if it was classical Arabic, it would be like nice sort of um, theatre venues having like a recitation. It's not like something that's going to get sold in commercial music. And hip hop, they weren't taking the risks. If one or two groups released one or two videos on a major channel like MTV Arabia or Rotana or whatever, it would just be the one off. Like, And they fund it themselves most of the time. Yeah. Or, like I say, if you're a female now and you're ready to like give it up or whatever to one of those directors, <laughs> or good for you, yeah. And that's the way. Um, yeah, it was quite. It was quite disappointing actually. But in the same time, I met some amazing people, had some amazing experiences, had loads of great TV, radio interviews, all the rest, and um, and hopefully added something positive and broke some boundaries, you know, in in the Egyptian scene and. Nowadays, there's so many females that are rapping and, and you know, performing and releasing their music, even if it's, like, for no money, like, just for free. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. doing it. Mm, and I've it wasn't seen. just me. There were other people in, like, different countries, but 
in Egypt, no, I, you know, it was just me and loads of guys that were performing <laughs> at the time. But in other countries, there were some really nice people, you know, females that are like doing their thing, you know, in other North African and Middle Eastern countries. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, coming up now to present times, like you, you, um, you're spearheading the, um, this, this uh, collective called Committing Arts. And um, tell us a bit about that. Like, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so from a young age in, um, in Grove and in London in general, um, I've always been like running workshops in my community and stuff, like in poetry, in word sound power, in dance, and in a fusion of that, like hip hop theater inspired workshops and projects. So, um, next to my poetry name, Princess Emmanuel, when there was like promotion, you would always have a dash commit an arts. Mm. Um, and it was like an idea or concept. Um, back in the day, I just call it an NGO, although it was never like constituted or anything. Um, and recently it became a formal, uh, CIC, um, you know, but commit an arts. Yeah. We run projects in the community, mainly to support people from disadvantaged backgrounds um, in a sense that we can offer free uh, professional performing arts workshops and projects that aren't just dancing for dance sake or, you know, singing for the sake of singing or acting, whatever. No, but with a deeper message and purpose and moral behind what we're presenting. Mm. So dealing with social justice, dealing with identity, humanitarian topics and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, so that's that's what we do, like put on workshops, projects um, and sort of um, life changing, you know, um, activities that hopefully allow masses of people to um, raise their awareness and begin to see things differently. Currently, every Saturday evening, the virtual acoustic poetry sessions, and on a Wednesday. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And, of course, you are one of our session musicians in-house, with the in-house band. So, yeah, VAP. Uh, the current project now is VAP, which is, like you said, virtual acoustic poetry. It's just an idea that came about since the lockdown, because um, the Poetry for Grenfell team, which we can go into later anyway, we had um, a world... Poetry Day, series of events at the library and at Waterstones in RBKC, which we couldn't go forward with. So I had to adapt lastminute.com literally a few days before it. And um, I just said, you know what, let's do this online. And that was the inspiration and initial stimuli that got the whole VAP thing running gradually. It was us getting the, the World Poetry Day events online. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, you guys were um, very involved and linked to the Grenfell. I mean, the Grenfell um, atrocities, you know, were there, which was a very sad event that took place in West London. For those who don't know, but um, yeah. yeah, tell us about that. Obviously, you guys released the poetry book and supported many people in the community. Yes. So, um, so yes. So, like I told you, I was raised mostly all my life on Lancaster Road. So that's the other end of the Grenfell Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where I was living on Lancaster Road and All Saints Road is here. And then here you walk down this Portobello, then the other end, that's where the, um, the swimming pools are, Kensington Leisure Centre. And then there's Grenfell Tower. So it was a direct line. 
It was like, I don't know, like an eight minute walk or something, right? And when I was young, my best friend um, lived in the top floor with her family. So I used to always, I've got a lot of memories there. Yeah, so basically when this happened, it shattered us. It shattered all of us completely. Um, It was a terrible disaster. And a lot of us had been affected greatly by it, uh, whether we knew friends or had family in there. Um, So, yeah, I just felt I had to support my community in the way that I can. And it wasn't lifting boxes. Um, I've got a serious back injury, so that wasn't my way of helping. Um, My way of helping was through trying to help people heal through the performing art, not even the performing arts, but through the written word and the spoken word. Um, Just because I think it's not like I thought it out, but subconsciously, my subconscious probably like just acted it out because in my past I had injured my back through through my dance training and it was a big depression in my life um, because I was training to be a professional dancer and it was the spoken word that helped me. It was in Leeds, Chapel Town Leeds when I was at Northern School of Contemporary Dance and Michelle Scally-Clark and the Black Child Collective that she invited me to um, as well as Black Samurai as well, that was collaborating with me musically. It was that, it was the spoken word, the, the word sound of power, the rhythm and poetry, the rap, that helped me to empower myself and to channel my emotions and to begin to heal gradually. So I think subconsciously, that is what came through when I was thinking about how can I help my people in my community. Mm. Um, and I, I do have to definitely give credit also to um, my good sister in Rebecca from One Love. Um, is it One Love? Yeah, One Love Grove. Because she also motivated me to sort of get a project together of some sort. Obviously, I didn't initially respond through a project. It was just let me go and help out at some of these, like, you know, uh, events. Like, uh, for example, there was the... Um, the relief day, there was a Nalisa and Carol, they were doing this, uh, I think it was called community relief. And they said, you know, princess, is there anything, you know, I don't know. We just started talking. And then I said, I'll come and do some poetry workshop. It just, it just started organically really. And kids on the green and whatnot. Uh, We were getting together all like the community were talking and saying, how can we help each other? What services can you offer? You know, everyone had their own way of helping. So that was my way of um, helping. And then obviously months later, like, you know, six, seven months later, whatever, after we've been volunteering, um, we wanted to set up something regular to sustain the workshops, to support our community. And that's where the Poetry for Grenfell workshops came, came about from. And then the idea of getting a book together, it was just spontaneous. I've been a poetess for many years, like since early 2000s. I've never personally published a book. I've contributed towards anthologies and whatnot, but it was just, again, it was just, it was a spirit thing. Like, you know, my, my spirit just reacted and thought, let's, let's get a book together or try to anyway. It wasn't like definitely manifested. We didn't have no money for it or whatever. It was just acting upon my vision, upon my, my impulse, my intuition. Do you understand? So we put a call out for anyone that wanted to, you know, contribute a poem of any sort. And that's how we, we got the poetry for Grenfell book together, but it ended up not just being poems. It was, um, let me see if I could sort of show you how do I do this. It was like also like um, 
pictures, you know, it could be pictures. I don't know how to do this well. Let me do it this way. Um, it could have been, uh, you know, photos or pictures that were drawn. We, we did a short film as well, also called Poetry for Grown Folk. Again, it was just a guerrilla film. It wasn't like greatly edited or any great equipment or whatever. And Portobello Film Festival gave us a Best Art Award. Um, I think they were just being genuine to support the community. No, but I, like think I, was awesome, I think it was a beautiful initiative. Like, I mean, I was lucky to be involved in the, what was it, the two-year anniversary um, recently. Was it the two-year anniversary? With us, Jimmy. Yeah, was that yeah, with yeah. Us? Um, It was the three-year. The three-year anniversary. And I mean, like, just being a part of that, like, there was Online, such yeah. a powerful spirit, you know, and sentiment. And um, all the people involved, the people who contributed and the people who spoke, like, I mean, I felt it. Like, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. really, it was really a heartfelt and um, a yeah. beautiful thing to, to witness and be a part of. Yeah, and what's great is that we we don't like discriminate in any way. So irrespective of what country you're from, what language you talk or write in, how old you are, you know. So we had um, I've got a nice poster here. If, if it, it might not show, but anyway, yeah. So you know, we had um, three to se- three year olds to seventy seven year olds involved in the project. You know, it was just again, it was organic. It wasn't like some big project. It was just different workshops here and there you know, the email contribution for people to send poetry. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we crowdfunded for it because um, we had been in conversation with different publishers, but the problem is when it comes to publishers, there's going to be a bit of a bias or they're going to want you to take out something or to water down something. Or, do you understand? So I felt, you know what, I'm going to put that to a halt for now the best way forward is to self-publish. So then we can be in control of what we want to share. So the first edition is raw. There isn't anything taken out of that. It's literally raw. But then we have a second edition as well that is um, more family-friendly, basically. Okay, I see. Yeah, so we've got poems in Egyptian Arabic, in, um, in Spanish, in Amharic. Um, there's also... Um, my uncle, not my blood uncle, but my uncle's nephew, um, Allah Yerhamu, God rest his soul, um, Uncle Hisham Rahman. So his, um, his family contributed one of his poems because he's a poet as well. He's a musician. He's, you know, he's art. He comes from an artistic family. So this is a person that passed away in the fire and, um, his poem before, before Grenfell happened, you know, this is something that he wrote and it's called My Will. Wow. So we've included that. And uh, his his nephew, Amar, um, read it out at the book, the Poetry for Grenfell book launch at the Bush Theatre. He read it out for us. And yeah. he was the first, um, you know, relative of, of a bereaved relative that... Um, was given a poetry for Grenfell, but because as part of the crowdfunding, um, you know, to raise the money to print it, we said we'd give, um, initially we said we'd give 200 free copies, but we've given so much more than that. But yeah, to immediately uh, bereaved families and survivors. So yeah, Omar uh, was the first one to get a book from Committing Arts at the P4G book launch at the Bush Theatre. Yeah, so you'll give me you'll give me some links and that for um, 
you know, for the projects as well. So people can check it out if they still want to get copies or if there's any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, since the P4G, we still wanted to continue supporting our community, but we we realized that using the word Grenfell was a bit too sensitive for some people. Some of our participants, you know, had um, one or two had sort of stopped participating or they felt it was too sensitive. So I decided we still want to continue with the same support of like, you know, poetry, spoken word, movements, live music, etc. Well, basically before it was just the poetry, but then we've developed it into bringing in different disciplines, different artistic disciplines to help with the healing and the creative process. So then uh, the project was Lyrical Art for Children and Young People in Latimer and in Grove at the Harrow Club and at uh, Octavia's The Reed Centre. And then the parents and the grandparents that were dropping off the children were like, is there nothing for the adults? So we gradually um, also uh, developed Poetic Art, which was for adults and elderly, that took place at the Kensington Reformed Church in, in Kensington. And yeah, and all of these projects were supported by the Westway Trust and RBKC Arts Grant, basically. So we'd never sort of tapped into any of that sort of big Grenfell funds, you know, that we're about. Um, just because I think I felt that should just be for the families. Yeah. You know, but then some of the funding was actually for artistic creation and projects, but I just never felt right about it. So I just went to the normal, you know, went for normal. Uh, artistic funding that was just general for like community cultural do you, do you get what I mean not yeah, specific yeah, yeah. for Grenfell the only time I will admit the only time I did was the recent Grenfell fund um, I was sort of convinced you know M, why don't you you're doing good works whatever so yeah but that was a bit of a mistake on my behalf honestly because unfortunately you know the council had us all up in arms with each other like competing against some money to help our community, you know, get over Grenfell. So I was in tears all day. Mm. I was, it was a, it was a pitch. You had to pitch on a stage and it was originally meant to be at the Harrow Club, which is not so bad, right? It is Latimer, but it's not right outside Grenfell. Like it's not like you're going to see it, like unless you look, you know, but they moved it. Lastminute.com, they moved it to Kensington Aldridge Academy. Okay, wow. wow. Car. Yeah. Car. Like Kemet and Arts car. There's the bar and the car in um, in ancient Kemet. It's a car like us, K-A, which is the personality side of uh, your person, your, your being, your soul, the living soul, the car. Anyway, it was there, so it was too emotional for me personally. I was just bawling in tears all day yeah from even before going up on stage and I cleared I cleared my tears and then they did the 72 seconds of silence so then I was just bawling again and then oh it was crazy it was yeah I didn't really enjoy that process and I won't be doing it again no I can imagine um, but it was lovely to see all the great initiatives in the community like all the people that have great sort of positive healing projects to offer and you know really i'm talking too much aren't i no I this is the thing oh just chatterboxing <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> are you still good. there knock knock <laughs> i'm still um, i'm still here yeah yeah the council should just fund it all 
they got enough money to do that. They should just yeah, fund it. Should, it was more like they got this amount. What was it? 600,000 to share out between so many projects or whatever. It should have been like a Hunger Games scenario. Yeah, especially when it's community-based and for something with yeah. such a, you know. So, um, Princess, just change the, uh, well, not to change the narrative or topic. Uh, just in closing, you wanted to, um, you like, would you like to share peace with us and uh, bless us with uh, some word sound power yeah yeah why not can i just um because i got these ready can i just give you a little look on on some of these yeah sure let's let's have a a bit of a i just pulled it out last minute right so i might as well show you so yeah so my journey's been from the spoken word to you know some sort of rap and reggae influence Mm -hmm. and um yeah princess got bars man (laughs) (laughs) World music influences as well. So my first album um, and project as a spoken word artist was the Born Into a Drowning World album, which I will... Actually, I can... Can I share a screen on my... Let me see if I've got yeah. the image here. One minute. Born Into a Drowning World. Right. Um, if I've got the image... Um, let's see. I probably don't even have the image here. That's the funniest thing. Anyway, I'll show you the image of the Born Into a Drowning World album, which is um, which is the first album I released as a spoken. So I was deciding in the early 2000s, do I release, um, do I bring out a book or do I release a, a song or an album? And I decided spoken word with musical backing is the way forward for me. Um, so this was uh, launched at the Tabernacle. Cheers. Yeah, 2001. Here we go. It's not the full uh, album cover, but it's better than nothing. Let's see if I can share the screen with you. Share screen. Oh, host disabled. Can you give me uh, share screening rights? Do you know how to do that if you press on participant? Yep. There you go. Because I don't have the physical album on me, like for some reason. Once you've done that, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done. It's done. So share screen. So just to give you an image to see. So this was me in my younger days. Just outside my room in Lancaster Road. (laughs) Born into a drowning world. So stop share. Nice. So I collaborated with the Kindred Spirit band there. Also, I believe um, Uncle Niles played something for me there <laughs> also. Um, you know, and we've got some some lovely collaborations there. Anyway, soon after that, Rise the Rise Above the Waters EP. So these these were both at um Dub Vendor and also at um People Sound on All Saints Road and Sound Records as well on Portobello Road that ain't no longer there. Yeah. And uh, Scribes UK online. Anyway, and then I was just rolling with these kind of EPs. Um, I featured with um, Mr. Kick from up north from Leeds on his Cause and Effects album, Justice System. But before, th- I think that was in Tower, is it called Tower Records? I yeah, think, Tower yeah. Records. But before that, I was invited on some collaborations with the Black Samurai Collective. Mm, um, 
you know, so they, they're mainly a bunch of male rappers, all different rappers coming together. But they had um, three female guests or artists that would collaborate with them. So they had a rapper, a singer and a poetess. I was the poetess and we've got a few tracks. So, for example, my track Unjust, um, which is uh, heavily connected with the film about deaths in police custody injustice because I was on tour with them. Uh, families and friends of those that have died in police custody. So that was produced by Black Samurai and features Black Samurai as well. So yes, so um, so yeah, and this this was a flyer I was rolling with in Egypt. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Princess <laughs> yeah. Emmanuel, what does it say? Does it say rap poetess, rap poetry with a MySpace link, if you remember that. Please, MySpace. And then, and then, yeah, from Egypt to the UK, that would change a lot. Sometimes it would say from the UK to Egypt. Sometimes it would say from Egypt to the UK. <laughs> whichever direction I was going, whichever part. Anyway, yeah, so you want to hear. Um, so I had sort of prepared an old track, which I have not spat any lyrics to for probably like two decades, mm. called Come Correct With The Truth. I thought I'd share it with you. Okay, or fine. there's the recent uh, Anna Faraona, which has a bit of Egyptian, as you like. I just thought it up last night, you know, you know, whatever. whatever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling, give us, give us something. Yeah. Whatever I'm feeling. Well, I, I kind of feel, I might just give you a snippet of each if you have time. I'm just thinking what to play it off. Do I play it off my phone? Yeah, just playing it off play my off phone, phone here is a good idea. Let's try that out. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's see how that goes. Like I say, these lyrics I'm about to share with you. I was just looking through some old albums. So one of my old school producers is Ras Kali. Okay. Um, who's originally from the Gambia. I mean, he's British, but oh, West London, but originally from Gambia. Um, big up Ras Kali. Yeah, he probably hasn't heard from me for quite a while. So I just thought, yeah, because I'd collaborated in this tune with a killer from X-Rated, who's a well-known hip-hop group from Labrick Grove, X-Rated. So Killer was on this as well, originally. Audio. Yeah, so I've, I've not even spat these lyrics for time. So it's quite exciting just, you know, having a listen and going Can over we, it. Briefly it. yesterday, so I thought, let me share it. This was me in my younger days, Princess Emmanuel days. So I'm going to play the music. And just let me let me know if you can hear it. Um, right. Going in. One, 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 one. one. I'm going to play the music. Let me know, like, if you can hear the music and me in the same time. All right. Yeah. Can you hear the backing music? Yeah, turn it down a touch. Turn down the music or my yeah. voice? Keep the voice the same, turn down the backing music. Okay. Can you, you hear? Wanna, you want to hear the lyrics more than anything. The music. Oh, let me know, can you hear the music and me? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this track was produced by um, Rascali. So this is me back in the day when I first started getting into the whole hip hop thing, right? So this is how it went, yeah? Okay, come on. <laughs> All right. You better come correct before you get me vexed. Don't think that you can mess. You know what to expect. The uppermost respect is what you should express. You know you should never test this lyrical impress. 
uh, mashy like a game of chess. Better come correct now, better come correct. Mashy like a game of chess. No need to detest. Stay true to yourself. Don't make a fool of yourself. Better be cautious cause we storm true ferocious Yet you know that the empress is raucious Lethal and lyrical better come with precaution We stay true to the mission and we focus You ask or to us, us, us Most had it brought us, us, us Blessed us lyrically cause creatively we got to be uh, Spiritually and mentally we're on point Physically, intellectually we mash up any joint When our third eye activates there's no need to debate Better come to relate to the truth If you just wanna battle then you're just gonna lose Just gonna lose, just gonna lose Ah, uh, yeah we're feeding off the devil's money, reaping off the dirt they call sweet honey. Hyperbolol is what the propaganda undergoes. They don't know what we go through for the truth to be known. Struggle and resistance, trying to rightly inform this drowning system without any support or assistance. But we follow through with persistence, yes. We follow through with persistence. How do we ever learn if it's drug money that we earn, putting the use behind bars of mental oppression? You think they'd learn their lesson? Miseducation isn't exactly a blessing. What we sow, what we reap, and we reap what we sow And if you don't know, then you better start to get to know Cause it's just as what we earn, it's through bloody what we earn Caught up in the hype of spiritual depression It's a lesson, uh A lesson in disguise, gotta see through the lies Those that don't even try to compromise or sacrifice Chat their crap, but we see it in the eyes Chat their crap, yes we see it in the lies See it in the lies we try and analyze, criticize and publicize their stories of the truth, the truth. But the truth is that they're representing oppression and segregation, depressing and miseducating our youths, our youths. Not teaching them any truth, not teaching them any truth. You better come correct before you get me vexed Don't think that you can mess, you know what to expect The uppermost respect is what you should express You know you should never test this lyrical impress Ah, uh, and that was come correct with the truth Yes, so that was one of my earlier Ooh, I'm trying to find you again, where have you gone? Ooh, where are you? There you are, yeah So that was one of my earlier, um sort of vibes when I started collaborating with music mm. come correct <laughs> nice 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 big tune yeah. big tune big tune yeah 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 but uh yeah so so do you have um were you gonna do some poetry as well yeah I've got like an Egyptian mixed one so you can either hear it a cappella or with a little backing it's up to you either way no, give it, give it to us a cappella, man, and uh, maybe take off, take off the echo okay. on your, cool. your microphone. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds better without... One, two. Is that okay? Yeah, that's Is that... okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Give it to so us acapella. raw, rough, rugged, and raw. Yeah. For you and yours, for you and yours. Right. Have a little stretch. Right, I've got my green jasmine tea here. <laughs> okay. So this is um, called Anna Ferona. So I'll just give you a little mix of it. So, oh, so that means I am a pharaohess, Anna Ferona. 
So, um, okay. They call me Empress One Rapper Hayden from Kemet. Kemet mean a monster in the ancient mother tongue. Kemet must temerary or Muldonia that's one. I will bend a rapper for your must, that's me. Rapping Bill Mastery will ingle a Z. Poach you to your ear so you don't want to leave. Music sounding so sweet, ringing true harmony. They call me Empress One, well, it mean all free. Show much respect to those that respect me. Tuning in every day, repping the revolution. Empress One showing love to the other side of the sun. I chose to be Egyptian because I'm a feminist. Chase the roots of my mama because it's my lineage. Omi min masru, masru omi dunya. Zefi yomu flilept into your heritage. He gave me the choice and I chose it. Ah, true ferret and press and I know it. Feel it through my Veins, my body and my soul. It's mean imbradura ula because I own it. If you disagree, then you're simply in denial. Don't like what you see. See when I is what you aspire. Chit chat, hate gossiping. I see you see. You should channel that hate energy to positivity. Why live a fallacy? See why be in denial. Open up your heart. Live to love. Live to inspire. Why be so hostile when we be children of the Nile? As Damien Nas put it, we be distant relatives, my child. And for honor, bent for honor, I shan't get a be someone in I'm a pharaoh west of a pharaoh west. That's why they like to call me Empress One Bless. I'm a pharaoh west daughter of a pharaoh west. That's why they like to call me Empress One Bless. And for honor, bent for honor, I shan't get a be someone in him. Protoral, Ula, and for honor, bent for honor, I shan't get a be someone in him. Protoral, Ula. It gets a bit tongue and twisty when I'm trying That's to like big. literally um, translate the Egyptian Arabic chorus into English because that wasn't in the original lyrics. I just do that when I'm like in front of an English. So is that so is that what you're doing? You're actually like explaining the the Egyptian Arabic into English. That's why they call me Empress One. Except in the Egyptian Arabic, I don't say bless, but it kind of sounds good in English. Yeah, it's sick. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yo, You're welcome. It's people. one bless. I always say, like, one bless. One bless. Life, um, good health and prosperity in, in Metu Netter, the ancient Egyptian African language. Jeez. So, Ankwe Jaseneb to you. Thank you. Ankwe Jaseneb. Ankwe Jaseneb. Nice. We never really know how it's pronounced, you know. We we just uh we assume it's pronounced that way. It might not be pronounced that way, you know. It's mm. just through the research that the Egyptologists um come up with, like Anthony T. Browdom, uh, Dr. Moata Ashby, whoever else, you know. Um you never know if it's pronounced like that. It could be Unk Uja Seneb, it could be because we didn't have the vowels, so you, you don't really know how it's yeah. really pronounced, you know. But yeah. Oh, but thank you so much, Empress. Is there like anything you, you want to leave us with um, just before I finish, just before we finish up? I mean, that was awesome, like listening to your stories and uh, learning a bit more about you. Thank you. Um, just, just to say thank you to you and for all that you do. And uh, thank you to everyone for supporting each other and being so caring and selfless and uh, strong throughout this pandemic, you know, um, just 
you know, seeing over and beyond the struggles and, you know, seeing through to the horizon and always having that hope and that faith, you know, um, because we shall overcome. So it's all about keeping the, the faith and the, and the strength, the inner strength alive and supporting each other um, and just sharing the love, you know. So most high blessings to you all, Ankwe Jasenep, Empress One Egypt. Thank you very much to the other side of the sun, Solar Kid. Thank you, people. And you can find us online. Find us online. You're going to share the links, aren't you? Like Empress yes. One Egypt, Poetry for Grenfell, and Committing Arts. So. Yes, I'll put them all in the description. And this has been the Other Side of the Sun podcast with me, the Solar Kid. We've had the lovely Empress One on today. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming, for blessing us with your presence. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment if you can. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. And um, yeah, peace and love. Peace, peace, peace and love.